Hi everybody, I'm Stefan Koritar and welcome to the Tech Talk podcast. This is the show where you can discover insights and valuable information about how entrepreneurs build their startup in the tech industry and the way the technology world works. A collection of open talks about technology and creativity, people, experiences and life around tech business ecosystems. Everything with the main goal to help you get inspired, get started, dream big and build amazing businesses. Today, my guest is Cristina Oros. Cristina has been working as Chief Experience Officer at AnyLine since 2016. AnyLine is a software as a service scale-up that is constantly growing. After completing her management and finance studies, Cristina entered the world of startups in Vienna, being passionate about promoting innovation and creating opportunities for young entrepreneurs, especially among female entrepreneurs. She has been involved in numerous incubator and mentoring programs in Austria, including TechMakers, We Accelerate, and Adventury. This is a great conversation. Enjoy it, and don't forget to share and subscribe the podcast. Hi, Christina, and uh, thank you very much for uh, joining Tech Talk and having a conversation about uh, well, technology and uh, life. Yeah, thank you, Stefan, for inviting me. Looking forward to it. There was uh, the the last time uh, we spoke. Uh, I think it was uh, even more than one year ago. Yeah, true. It was at Startup Grind, and we had a very nice conversation about um, as well entrepreneurship and you know uh, career and so on. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 really happy that we got the chance to. Uh, talk again and discuss more about you know what's new with AnyLine and what's new with you. Yeah, sounds good. A lot has changed since last year, so I think I, <laughs> I have new material. It's great. <laughs> That's good, um, Christina. Just uh, you know, just uh, jumping into our uh, conversation. Um, since you already said that you know so many things uh, happened and you have new things on on the table, what? What was the last thing you read and made you smarter by reading it? Mm. So I'm still reading it, but I have one chapter left, so I'm considering it done now. Um, it's a book called Invisible Women, and it's about the data gap that exists in research and science. Um, so maybe the clearest example is, you know, that in a crash test for cars, you have the crash test dummy. And that's actually a 70 kilogram white male uh, in terms of anatomy. And uh, there are certain recommendations from uh, to have also female crash test dummies. But what has happened is that instead of actually creating a dummy based on female anatomy, they just downsized the normal crash test dummy. So um, things like this. And it's it's not about... Uh, forcing that everything now has to be gender divided, but yeah. it, it really does have certain implications. Like um, if you have a pregnant woman and, and you have a seatbelt around it or things like that. So um, generally how, how if we could fill this data gap, everyone's lives would become a little bit better. So um, I wasn't aware that there are certain recommendations or regulations or that, or what the impact of this data gap actually is. So. I can recommend that book to everyone who, who wants to become a little bit smarter. That's great. I mean, um, uh, I'm really, I'm, why I'm saying this is because I'm really passionate and um, um, always open to talk about it with people that are, let's say, more um, 
closed-minded around the subject um, when it comes to uh, gender gap and inequality uh, on the fact that kind of I was in an invisible bias as well until I watched a documentary on Netflix. Uh, it was a Spanish yeah. production. And that documentary opened up so many perspectives and things that, I've, that I didn't see. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like, me as a man doing a conscious decision uh, yeah. in relationship with uh, you know the feminine and the female uh, gender, but it was something that was just default somehow inherited, right? And uh, and exactly. I had a wake up call, and I just told myself this is so wrong on so many levels. Like <laughs> I have to like shake it off. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because it's it's never a malice thing. It never comes from a place of of bad or or something like that. But it's just that's how we grow up, and we just don't have the necessary information yeah. to make better decisions. So, um, yeah, information is power. So, <laughs> whichever direction it goes to, I do think also although that it comes from a bad time of history you know neglecting women and minimizing yeah. them and i think just that's just in you know rooted so uh deep in our uh, collective consciousness that it just you know comes with every new baby born newborn baby right yeah and it just you know you just uh adopt that kind of way of living and society rules right so that's exactly. something that we have to rewrite i agree i fully agree so yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna link that uh, that uh, 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 that book to to the podcast definitely. So that yeah, I, listeners... I should write to the author so I can get some loyalty fees or reference <laughs> <laughs> affiliate marketing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Christina, what is a chief experience officer? You know, how do you how do you manage the experience at Anyline? What is mm. what does that mean? So I, I get that question a lot, actually, obviously, because it's uh, it, it in a way experience is is can be many things. But what yeah. it means for us at AnyLine is that we do have a complex product and we do have a very um, different kind of customer journey for different types of customers. And they we also have a very strong internal AnyLine culture that we really want to keep and, and also show externally. So. The experience is basically the, the entirety of the touch points or of the interactions that a client has with anyone from any line, whether it is coming on our website and just having a first impression or whether it is a, a renewal after them being a client with us for one year. Maybe they have a different expectation or they, they already understand any line for what it is and they expect that, of course, that the level of quality that we gave them from the beginning is something that will go throughout all of the interactions they have with us. So um, it's a very cross-functional uh, thing, I would say. Experience, mm -hmm. of course, is everywhere. Uh, and that's why also you need a lot of very different people to be able to pull off a good experience. So we have product, marketing, um, customer success, support, all of these things that normally are in different areas of a company, we decided to put them together um, because they themselves are already cross-functional. So having this common understanding that we're all impacting someone's experience helps us bring the internal AnyLine identity across to, to clients, um, not only actually, but mostly to clients, yeah. So um, 
what I do is basically take care then of these, these people so they can provide the best experience we can. So making sure that the, the people are happy, that I understand also what the client needs are, that we can guide a little bit the experience in terms of strategy. Um, so more long-term thinking about how these things come together. That sounds something that comes with great responsibility. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> And it's also very fuzzy sometimes because, you know, I also wonder oftentimes what is someone else's experience because I'm not in that position. So it requires a lot of empathy, a lot of hearing and, and listening, listening skills. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge, but it's, it's a challenge that I think has a lot of rewards when you, when you complete the challenge. What is the hardest thing about this challenge? Because I know that, um, and it looks it looks like it, um, you know, I know that managing so many touch points and mm -hmm. keeping everybody on the same page and aligned uh, with a desired experience can be sometimes, you know, uh, really hard. What would be the greatest challenge on that? Um. That's a good question. <laughs> so it's, it is what you said, actually, it is everyone has a different perspective and any line is what it is because we have a very diverse team from all over the world. But that means that they have different cultural backgrounds. They have different understandings and different perspectives of the same thing. Mm -hmm. So bridging and, and making sure that everyone is allowed and is empowered to say what they want to say and to contribute to a final decision is, is oftentimes difficult. So, you know, democracy is, is, is something that oftentimes in companies doesn't happen. We try to get as close to it as we can, um, but that, that is the hardest thing to do, is to make sure that everyone's perspective is aligned even if they come from different points of view and that we manage to then convey this, this diversity in the background externally. Um, that's, that's quite difficult to do. It's, it's the people management part of it. Yeah. You said uh, right um, early uh, in the beginning of answering my question, you said about, uh, you know, managing the culture and that you have, you want mm -hmm. to have a, or at least you said that you have a culture that you want also Know, to showcase outside about what's uh, happening and how it is at any line um how much of freedom does the people from you know from the culture from the company have um as a um, power of influencing that culture mm -hmm. so anyone who works at any line in whatever position can say and express what they feel or their opinion. And we have no uh, rules or, or things like that, that you're not allowed to talk to the CEO or something mm. in that direction, not at all. So everyone has a voice and one of our values is empowerment. And then another value is courage. Obviously you need to have a little bit of courage, especially if maybe you joined recently or you're still unsure about where you are within the company. Um, but you can use your voice to make change. Of course, then just because someone has an opinion doesn't mean that now we need to implement it, um, but the opinion is heard and then mm -hmm. we take a decision on that. So um, it's, again, it's, it's also, you might have the values, but 
part of my job and all of my colleagues' job is to make sure that we understand and implement those values. Just because we have four nice words or five nice words written on the wall, but no one feels connected to them or no one actually feels empowered or feels courageous, then we didn't really do our job at the end of the day. Got it. Yeah, exactly. We've been talking for the last couple of minutes about N-Line, but uh, just, you know, our listeners definitely uh, haven't done their uh, due diligence and background check. So my question would be, what is AnyLine? You know, why should anybody use it? How can we use it? Right. So AnyLine is a machine learning optical character recognition company from Vienna, Austria. And we are normally B2B, so SaaS business. Um, but we also recently launched a B2C keyboard. Um, that allows you to scan text and to paste it automatically into a, whatever text field you have. The idea behind it is that optical character recognition is basically you know, image recognition, call it whatever, um, but each letter and each number is treated as an individual image. Um, so we do high accuracy text recognition, basically, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And the launch of the keyboard um, is helping us bring the ultimate benefits for the end users and to make it clear for our buyers as to why they would invest in optical character recognition technology because it is something that helps their end users at the end of the day so um i hope that does that answer the question i always go on a rant about any line and then i go deep into the details and i never that's very good that's very good. I so like I always understood what I wanted to say. I always like, you know, how the Romanians uh, say, uh, 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 cut the grass um, in four, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so always go, go <laughs> deep object. Uh, that's where the gold, yeah. the gold information and insights sit. Um, but yeah, um, I understood that. Um, how would that be applied? You know, just give us a couple of use cases, mm-hmm. for example, for automotive right or uh, mm-hmm. other industries like healthcare or travel how would yeah. your technology work in that space so for example um for travel we scan the passports of people so that's very quick for onboarding because while we only deliver the technology itself then the end clients on airline or an airport uh, can actually implement it into their own systems. So Mm -hmm. they get access to their own databases and then very seamlessly integrate the technology. Um, So Virgin Atlantic is one of the clients that we have in this space. And what they do is basically onboard onboard passengers much quicker on planes. Um, In automotive industry, uh, actually in retail, it's interesting. We have a case from the U.S. where... um, we developed a tire identification number scanner, which is actually black on black rubber. Um, and we have a, an extremely above 90s success rate, accuracy rate. Wow. And that helps ultimately people be drive safer. Because if you scan the TIN number, when you go back to a, a service um, company or to get your yearly car service, then you can actually see the wear and tear of the tire. And you can get real recommendations based on facts, uh, whether you should change your tires, whether you should inflate them more, or whether there have been recalls for the specific type of tire. Um, and we provide the scanning technology for that. As well. Wow, I'm just, you know, just listening to you. I'm just imagining driving with my car into a car service, uh, a room full of, uh, you know, scanning services. <laughs> yeah. 
and I get this, you know, just this, this, this uh, you know, I'm just imagining myself having an iPad in my hand and receiving all these information about my car that would just yeah. blow my mind. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I think it, it also blows my mind and I'm here now for quite a few years because you never think of these use cases and then you get clients who are like hey i want to do this like, can you help me and then yeah. like, yes yes i can help you it's, it's really yeah. cool to give to connect things for people at the end of the day yeah yeah i agree even with the even with the passport thing i was uh, uh when was it i think one year or two years back um yeah uh i was traveling to san francisco and they have you know, they have two options of going into uh, the passport checking. You can either go by the classical to the, uh, to the you know, policeman, mm-hmm. um, or you can go uh, by an individual through, uh, you know, a scanning, you know, like a booth. Yeah. And then you put the passport and it scans, just scans your face and everything matches. And then, yeah, you know, you're, you're uh, good to go. So yeah. I guess, you know, that would be also one spot that uh, um, any line technology can come in and, know definitely and then the good part is that you don't need the big scanners anymore you just need a phone or an ipad as you said so yeah (laughs) yeah exactly um any line is you know making a big statement and also in the same time uh uh, the company claims that they solve the character recognition right with cutting-edge technology what was the problem actual at the beginning and how did any line manage to solve that yeah. So for people who know a little bit about optical character recognition, it's not such a new thing because actually optical character recognition based server side uh, where you scan an entire document and then you get back, let's say, 60, 70 percent accurate text from it um, has existed for the last 30, 35 years already. The problem came that, OK, you have smartphones, you have very specialized types of codes where you can't have 60-70% accuracy. Maybe it's also sensitive data like passports and you have this little computer in your pocket. So why wouldn't you use then the full power of this computer? Um, And that's where we saw a gap in the market and we decided to really try and, and close this gap and fill this gap. So the problem that we solved is getting extremely high accurate optical character recognition on your phone where you do not need an internet connection where you don't need to carry passports or other documents with you all the time where you can really rely that the technology that you have with you can actually help you Um, we also have some clients in uh, in africa where of course the mobile phone penetration is much much higher Mm -hmm. than laptops or desktops or so on and people use their phones for everything for internet banking for uh sim card registration and so on and we can provide them this technology because it's it also doesn't need a lot of computing power um to them so they can also make all of these daily tasks better and quicker and safer actually yeah yeah um yeah definitely with uh uh uh, with the mobile penetration in Africa, I've read you know uh, many articles, and that's true. Uh, they have a much higher percentage of uh, of penetration, and they do everything on on, on mobiles. Yeah. Um, exactly. Okay, um, I haven't you know I haven't been familiar with uh, character recognition technology, but that's good to know. I didn't even <laughs> know that it was you know um, thirty five. You said thirty 
35 years old already? Approximately 30, Moxa, 35, yeah. as far as I know. Uh, basically, you know, banks and insurance companies, they use it for all the paperwork. Um, mm -hmm. So to digitize a lot of these things. Yeah, but that requires a lot of computing power and also the accuracy is not that high. Um, so the use cases are much different. You can't have tire recognition software that scans at 60% accuracy. Like that's yeah. just putting lives in danger. That's not okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I'm just, you know, listening to you, I'm just imagining uh, because um, um, uh, one of my discussions was also with uh, Andre from UiPath and I'm just thinking like my mm. mind goes crazy and I think how would, you know, any line technology would be combined with uh, robotic process automation, right? And I'm just thinking about... Ooh. You know, I'm just thinking about, <laughs> uh, you know, banking, as you said, you know, have a end-to-end -end, um, plugged-in technology that can, you know, scan the documents uh, with any line and then put RPA on top of it, uh, you know, yeah. and then connect it to some kind of form of payments that just... Yeah. <laughs> That's no, crazy. that's there's a lot of potential there, really, like a lot of yeah. potential, for sure. Another cool thing is that you were number one on Product Hunt uh, on the very first week of June, right? Uh, yes. With the new mobile keyboard app that you said earlier that you launched. Um, what is like like you said that the keyboard helps a lot uh, the society and how you know it can benefit. Um, how was that entire experience for you, mm. the product hunt release? So it was it was the first ever usable um, B2C product that we released. So we already had the demo applications, but they were demo applications. So you couldn't actually use them in your day-to-day -day life. And um, it was it was very different from B2B. Like, so first we needed to prepare a lot because everything was very visible. Um, it wasn't a sales cycle with one huge client that lasts four months. It was 10,000 people downloading it and expecting it that it works and also writing to support or commenting very publicly about it. So we uh, we had a very, very good team. I think that was the first thing that, that happened is that we took people from different uh, areas of the company, again, cross-functional, um, development, marketing, sales, branding, and we had a core team who was taking care of the launch. So that helped prepare everything. And after it launched, we also had responsibles who really were monitoring things. Uh, again, someone with a PR background has a different view on things than someone with a branding background or so on. Yeah. Um, it was really exciting. It felt like at the beginning of any line again, where you're only 20 people in the startup and you're building your MVP and launching it. It was, it's so nice to just do things that maybe are not related a hundred percent to your day-to-day -day work because you get this influx of motivation. And, and of course, in B2C, you get the feedback instantly and, yeah. and people tell you, yes, this works or no, this doesn't work. Yeah. And it was a lot of positive uh, um, coverage that we got and also the people writing that they immediately used it to fill in their bank statement or bank transaction with the IBAN scanner or uh, a use case that we, we didn't think that would be so popular is Wi-Fi passwords. Like, who would have thought that yeah. people don't want to type in their Wi-Fi password? Like, well, obviously they don't. So, <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, for example, I'm gonna use it for business card scanning, right? Yeah. I know there's a lot of apps, but uh, the accuracy is not so high. 
um, in some of them. So yeah, definitely if I could, you know, use it for business card scanning, that would be awesome. Well, you will be able to at some point, hopefully, but not at the moment, unless you're scanning one line per one line. So again, this high accuracy depends on the, the let's say standardization of the text. So yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it depends what's important to you. <laughs> but that's that's great, you know, having an app over there on the B2C sector uh, also brings, uh, you know, um, a certain degree of validation of your technology, yeah. right? So that's For a sure. huge magnet in terms of getting, you know, business, uh, exactly. business eyes on it. Exactly. So in, in B2B areas, you can, of course, organize focus groups and, and test your product, but it's difficult to get the real life experience that the users of your clients get at the end of the day. So it's, it's very good that we have the opportunity now to launch something like this because we can use that to improve the, the product for our clients who then just give a better experience at the end of the day to their users. So win-win for everyone, I would say. Yeah, I agree. Um, Christina, Series A, 12 million. Yes big news <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so yeah you it recently feels like such a long time ago <laughs> yeah uh yeah. it was uh, actually it was right it was recently a couple of months back right yeah um how was how was the entire uh funding you know moment and uh, within mm. the company um because that's that's a lot that's uh yeah it's a really significant amount of uh, funding that a company can get in central eastern um europe um yeah. yeah how was that and how are you planning to invest the new investment what are mm. any lines future plans so obviously we weren't counting on a pandemic happening but that so that changed a little bit our plan um but we are so we're really, really lucky that we got that funding. Like there are a lot of companies out there who, who maybe won't survive the pandemic because of the impact that they had and because they didn't have funding secured at the beginning. So let's get that out of the way. Thank you. Very lucky. Yay. Yeah. Um, the process to get the funding was also interesting. So you always have when you're a larger, when you're doing a Series A, in Europe, you always have the question, okay, do I want to go big? Then maybe I have to go to London or even to the US, or will I find someone European to support me, but that we talk, let's say at the bigger levels and the bigger risk levels that people talk uh, at in the, in the United States. And again, it depends very much on the founders and what their vision is in this negotiation. Mm -hmm. If you want money to grow, that's probably something that you can get quite easily. If your product is okay and you have an okay team, then you can get money to grow. The complication starts when, as I mentioned, we have quite a strong culture and the vision of our founders is quite clear on what kind of company they want to build. And then they want to find a VC who will support this culture and who won't come in and actually destroy everything or restructure everything that they really believe in the vision of the company. And that was a difficult part in the negotiation. And that's why I also I, I appreciate the founders that we have and our CEO, especially because he takes this seriously and it's not just words that he says um, every day. So it was a lot of struggles internally for the last few months of 2019. 
you need, of course, you're under scrutiny in the due diligence part. You need to get data that maybe you didn't even think that you have, but yeah. you have to find it somehow. And, and everyone really was involved. Um, and then the negotiation part happened right before Christmas. So at our Christmas party, everyone was just holding their breath and waiting for the announcement. Wow. Like, okay, how's next year looking? How's next year looking? Um, and that was also part of the entire thing, right? You don't push it until the end unless you want to have a good VC, someone that trusts you and someone that um, believes in, in your vision. So it was a roller coaster ride, but that's life in a startup. No matter how big or small you are, it's always a roller coaster. Yeah, ride. I agree. Yeah. And we decided on, on project A and they decided on us. So it was a happy partnership um, based in Berlin. So European VC, um, but they have quite good connections also to the US. Mm -hmm. So they supported us in opening an office there too. And we are involved in a lot of projects with them. So they have this kind of consultative arm um, that actually goes hands on operationally with the companies. And that's really, really helpful because, of course, we're, we're quite big already now, but we still don't have people for all of the areas that a company might need. So working very closely together with them shows that they were really the right pick for us in terms of, of getting along and in terms of knowledge uh, and expertise that they bring in. I'm happy to hear that because I'm reading these all kinds of no news that, you know, um, uh, CEOs are changed because uh, I know the VCs are saying that you have to be changed, which somehow yeah. I understand if the CEO is not competent uh, enough or uh, business skilled, right? Knowledge skilled, then you have to make sure that that business gonna of course gonna grow. Yeah. But in the same time, this is this is extremely valuable because uh, if you're looking looking at it on a granular level, it's the CEO, it's the top executive team that. Uh, you know, puts their soul, their, you know, sweat, yeah. tears, time, you know, energy, uh, missed time with family into in the company. And then just to give that into, you know, un or under the control of somebody that's not aligned yeah. with your vision. Yeah, it's, it yeah. can be, it can, it can leave, you know, uh, a very uh, sour taste in your mouth if something goes wrong. That's Definitely. true. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. It's not all roses and and petals and everything. Like we yeah. did have a lot of change happening, especially last year. I think, I think that's one of the make it or break it moments in the life of a startup where you have to grow up and professionalize and start introducing processes, but not over introduce them. And maybe roles have to change in the company, yeah. and and some people can handle that, some can. So it it was. Last year was a was a, a a year of change, I would say it, and and yeah. fortunately we we seem to have gotten out well at the end of it. Well, you know how they say change is the only constant, and it's necessary for growth. So exactly, you know, yes. maybe it's overpopulated, but still it has it's the deepest true in uh, in terms of it growth. It is. For sure. How long was that? How how many months did that uh, entire process of fundraising uh, went on? Was around, I would say. So I was actively involved in it for around four months, but I would say it started earlier than that, of course, with mm -hmm. the selection and first meetings and so on. So, minimum approximately six months. Yeah, okay. like active hands-on work. That's short. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a lot of work. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, um, you, it, can, it can take from, you know, like you say, six months up to two years of negotiations. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, you are here today, right? You're on a, on a very nice track. Uh, but tell me this. Uh, there's one thing that I want to find out. What were some of the hardest times for mm. Inuline? If there were any hard times for you while you were... Yes, you were, of course. Uh, yeah. So the, the, one of the hardest was last year, I have to say, because of all of the change that was happening. Um, and we decided to get also help externally, especially for our leadership team. Um, and we, we got an external coach was amazing. And we met every month, at least once, um, the entire leadership team, we talked about the issues that were happening. Um, we opened up very much. Um, so that helped to overcome all of these changes, but there was also, of course, a lot of frustration building and a lot of uncertainty building, which is never really good for long-term motivation. Um, but I think the communication uh, of the common vision of what we want to achieve was important in all of this change. So if you have this light at the end of the tunnel that you know is constant and that is being repeated to you, then you trust the people much more. Because if this change, if this communication always changes, if your light once is green and once is yellow and once is red, then you lose a little bit of trust. And then yeah. in an uncertain time, you're not sure anymore if you can actually get to the end of it. Um, yeah. So it was a lot of changes happening. Also hiring a lot of people. We hired approximately 30 people in a matter of two months and we were wow. like 50 people. So that's almost doubling the company in two to three months. That was also a big, that's a I would challenge. call it exactly. Like it yeah. was even a crisis situation at some point, like crisis has this very bad connotation but actually crisis is just a very big change. And in that change, you have to deal with things a little bit differently. Um, and that was right at the beginning of COVID-19. So we finished all the onboardings and everything end of February and then, and then middle of March lockdown. Everybody remote. <laughs> yeah. Like we have people who have not met anyone else from any line personally since three months. And they've been only working from home like starting their job from yeah home. and it's it's amazing that it worked like i still can't believe it like I, we we went beach volleyball playing last week and we i, I saw a colleague of mine I was like wait a second this is the first time i'm seeing you in person isn't it? it's like yes <laughs> oh wow like, yeah it would be that would be an interesting conversation to have you know with uh with such an experience of you know get, just getting a new a new uh, position at a company and not yeah going into meeting anybody so that would be that would be definitely a conversation <laughs> nice to have yeah i think it's different for us because we we still had flexible times and people still did home office before but really completely remote has not happened and of mm -hmm. course you have companies i think Basecamp, who who completely work remotely like all the time yeah uh, but it's different if your culture is already set up like that and yeah or, and ours but, wasn't what were some of the tools that, let's say, made it easier mm. for the team to co co mm. collaborate? So at the beginning, in the first month and a half, we had a lot of social um, online calls. So pub quizzes, um, charades, um, just uh, games like Guess the Baby, which is our office manager, she made 
this very funny game where you would send her a baby picture of someone and five clues and you'd have to guess who the baby is. Oh, so that's we nice. really try to to do a lot more um, on a personal level mm-hmm. and just kind of remind everyone that there are people out there and it's not just a machine that has to work. Um, and we we struggled with that, obviously, for some time. And of course, you're in meetings all day, you're in calls all day. Maybe you don't want to join another call in the evening, even if it's a pub quiz or something. Um, but yeah, we, we also talked in the management team and we started, we had a few lists of people we want to call. And okay, so we make sure that we reach out to everyone and that no one is maybe in a worse situation at home. Yeah. Because also psychologically being stuck at home is not nice. And of course, that can impact your productivity, your mood, your mentality. So at the beginning, we try to really make sure that everyone is comfortable and that they feel secure um, and that they know that they have a job when we come out of this situation. And I think giving people this long-term certainty is very important in such a that, period. That's really nice. Uh, I mean, I'm just thinking about it, you know, for a company to make a decision to focus on the social part more within this type of context although it's not you know it's very irregular it's the black swan somebody some some says some people say that it's not even the black swan but um you know to have something like this uh to offer to your teams a smooth transition into you know unknown things uh within a context that is somehow familiar to them you know to the prior normal right you know social interaction I think that's that's really nice and uh, could you know make a a smoother transition to to the remote work definitely. Yeah. So it it was of course bumpy and I made mistakes in communication and and we all tried our best but we were also in this situation together. Um. But it it did smooth out now towards towards the end. Ha. Huh? <laughs> yeah, but, but I think it, it, I think it yeah. comes from a place of empathy, right? It doesn't come from a yes. place of. Uh, ego and rationality like you said we have this you have to we have to keep this machine you know working and pumping yeah um and the fact that you know uh, the entire you know team i guess the executive team and the management team you know decided that you know to have this more out of an emotional position decision right to make sure that you know the people that are running the machine are okay so that we can pull this through that's that's really yeah. nice that's really nice. I, I think so too. I was happy to be involved in that process. Yeah. And you said at the beginning something that um, um, uh, around, you know, change and change um, being one of the challenges. What were, or if you identify some of the change management principles, like positive ones, um, mm. what are the, th- you know, interesting things that you've done in this phase of change management? So one, one useful thing that I think we decided to do is to bring in people with more experience, so more senior people. I think many companies are afraid of doing that because they believe that they, they won't have any more development opportunities or growth opportunities if, if you bring in a VP of something or a senior or something. Um, but I think it's a good practice to do if you see that you have an area where you just don't know what to do and you have a gap 
then it's good to bring someone in with experience. And of course, you still need to vet that person and see if culturally they fit and personality-wise they fit. But that experience is something that you can all learn from and gain something from. Um, and it's, it's a good mixture, I would say. Um, other things is being very open to changing your role. Ultimately, it's the role doesn't define who you are as a person and it doesn't define the success of the company. So if we all agree on the long-term goal and on the long-term vision of what we want to make any line in my case become, then I can be CXO, but I can be, you know, whatever. I can go back to junior product manager if that's the thing. The role is, is irrelevant. And that was also something that we needed to learn. And, you know, you have people now in our company called VPs and then C-levels and so on. And it sounds like a huge corporation. It doesn't matter. It's, it's of course, it's, a, it's an acknowledgement of someone's experience and someone's responsibility. Yeah. But generally, experience and a title comes with responsibility. And it's something that people shouldn't forget. Um, and ultimately, inside how you deal with people, whether you talk to them one-on-one -on -one and whether you have a flat hierarchy, completely doesn't matter if you're called VP or C-level or something. Um, and not attaching yourself to it was also a, something that is very important in this period of change. I would say these these two were were quite important. And and honest, the last one actually is because we just mentioned it, uh, empathy. Because people again, this uncertainty is is horrible. Uncertainty makes people think, overthink things, <laughs> and then rush into things and take stupid decisions. Uh, and just listening to people and just checking in on them and seeing how they feel from time to time is good. Also, yeah. if we need to take an external coach for that, like we did, that's also a good thing. Like yeah. nothing bad can happen if you just ask for a little bit of help or a little bit of guidance sometimes. Exactly. You know, I think, you know, getting a coach is also still in the society, a bit of, uh, of stigma around it. You know, I need help, right? Yeah. Uh, I need help. I don't manage myself well enough so yeah there's a lot of stigma on it definitely um but uh, yeah i think the entire role-based you know uh, org chart and also you know in in comparison with um the collaboration part right there are two different layers that somewhere have to, they have to meet right and they meet yeah. only only through communication just you know have exactly. a mindful have a mindful uh 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 you know discussion about it like you have this role you have these responsibilities but in the same time you mean nothing without collaborating with with all your peers and you know exactly. getting to one united uh you know action yeah i always like to say that at some point when you reach a certain amount of people you need structure in the company you need to know what people do and who you can talk to but that's different from hierarchy they're two different things. Yeah. I don't yeah. think you need hierarchy, but you need structure. And yeah. that's what it comes down to. I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, you've been with the company close to five years already, right? And uh, four, four this year. In four? June. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My math Just went wrong. Just had my anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what is the, you know, if I can call it the X factor that makes you stay yeah. because it's very typical, you know, nowadays to stay in a startup, what, two years, close yeah. to two years. Right. And then change. Yeah. 
What makes uh, you what makes you stay? Ooh, my fancy title, of course, that's what makes me stay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I really respect the founders and I respect their vision and their goal. And I'm really lucky to have a very experienced direct manager who, you know, who does everything, has a temperament, is insane sometimes, but gives me honest feedback, tells me every time I made a mistake, gives me all the resources that I need to learn and to grow and supports me when I need him to. And you have the saying that people don't leave companies, they leave managers. Well, basically, I, I wouldn't leave the people. And that's what makes it great, I think, uh, in the words of Trump. But let's not talk about him now. <laughs> um, basically, I brought high school colleagues of mine to this company. And I wouldn't have done that if I wouldn't have believed that it, this is a good thing to do. And I believe in this journey together. Um, and also working together with friends is always a little bit problematic because you never know how the situation can turn out. But again, it's, it's, I believe in the vision at the end of the day. And I'm going to try and do everything I can to reach that vision together with these wonderful people who we still have a professional relationship with and who we need. We, you know, we have very tough discussions sometimes and we are also probably more emotionally involved than if I'd work at a huge corporation. But you spend so much time at the office, so much time at work. Yeah. Why wouldn't you like it a yeah. little bit? Or why yeah. wouldn't you want to like the people you work with? It's yeah. just, I can't imagine working in a company where I have to stay there eight hours a day and just not want to hang out with anyone afterwards yeah. for a beer. Yeah. It's just... It's so important, agree. so important. <laughs> I agree, 100%. I agree. I mean, um, maybe it comes also with age, right? I don't know. Yeah. Also, I can I can fully resonate with you because I'm at an age that where that I I I I just can't, you know, do any kind of any more any bullshit stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe <laughs> maybe we sound I like can... two grandpas sitting on a bench in yeah. front of our house. <laughs> but maybe you know sometimes um as a early uh in the game on the you know professional ladder you can put up to some things right and you're yeah. learning and you're 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 doing that and you're doing that but at a certain level it's just let's be real and cut the bullshit and just yeah you know, we're working together if not i can always leave i'm going to find something else i mean there's so many jobs all in the digital space that you know in one month, I'm somewhere else. Be human with me, and let's you know, let's strive to have a relationship after this um, common you know road that we're sharing. But exactly. yeah, sometimes uh, and I I don't think comp lots of companies have uh, uh, the same culture that Anyline has. And you know, even listening to your words, I think many people are aspiring silently, consciously or unconsciously, right, to have such a workplace set up where they're you know, really happy with what they're doing and with the people that are surrounded with. 
that's the you know i think so too yeah i i wouldn't say it's always easy so again it's not all roses because of course if you're more emotionally involved and if you work with people that you do want to grab a beer with maybe it's more difficult to give them negative feedback or maybe mm -hmm. it's more difficult to have hard conversations with people but that's also a part of the learning process you have to have these conversations in your real life too even if you're you know with your partner or in your family so why wouldn't you be able to have them at work as well um and this is also just you know a school of life i would say um yeah. the skills that you need at work you also need in your day-to-day -day life yeah um, i agree i mean i'm, I'm, I'm passionate <laughs> about the subject i could yeah. go on. <laughs> coming back to uh any line you know um it is a deep technology company and uh, yeah definitely eastern europe has some of those too mm -hmm. but i'm interested in your perspective about it and uh, why do you think eastern european or maybe romanian entrepreneurs of deep tech companies are having hard times to get where anyline got what are they missing or they should do more of Well, I have to say we we are a bit lucky because we are in Austria and we have access then to German VCs, basically, mm -hmm. uh, as now we saw with Series A. Um, I also know that there aren't, I think, maybe a lot of potential companies who would fund or who would believe in startups from Eastern Europe have a sort of unconscious bias um, because they maybe are looking for more culturally similar companies uh, or countries and that would be more western europe if you look at the uk and us and yeah and i think also there is a certain level of there's a discrepancy between funding available i think there's a better understanding and clearer um benefit understanding in western europe than in eastern europe yeah. from the government side as well but also from this more private funding options um i have a friend here i think eva Ar, uh, and she's she's at a vc and they actually do search for companies in eastern and central europe I know eva. but yeah, I know how her. many vcs do that not yeah. many um and they have ties also to the us so anyone who then gets an investment from them automatically has more opportunities in the long run than another company who doesn't so i think this whole the, the it's just a little bit unfair because of the area where we are and i think mm -hmm. people and founders from eastern europe maybe have to work harder than founders from Western Europe to get the same level of recognition and funding at the moment because they don't have the basic structures that would support them to be able to reach a certain level of quality to be able to show them to more high quality VCs. In, in Austria, there are just tons of funding opportunities for seed uh, funding or uh, grants for research and things like that. And there's not that money in, in in if you look for to romania because that's also an, a country that i would know better yeah and yeah so of course if you don't have the same starting ground then it's a bit more difficult i'm i'm just i just uh, if i could um could visual could could provide the listeners a visual um uh, reaction my reaction to your 
yeah. uh, response it would be i'm just you know uh, releasing the mic drop i think yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's, uh, that's a that's a perfect response, and it's a new perspective that I didn't heard. We definitely mm-hmm. didn't touch in our last conversation this. Yeah, no, no. And um, yeah, that's a new information for me. So thank you for that. I never yeah. talk about it from a from a buyer's perspective, and you know, yeah. uh, leaning towards more Western um, ecosystems because of a bias. That's but that's interesting. Right. I, again, it's it's an assumption that I have, or something that I've noticed in my yeah. interactions with people. Um, but it's, I'm pretty sure it's there. And again, it's not from a place of malice. It's just people look for things that are familiar to them. Yeah. And the the further away you are, the less familiar you are. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, you know, coming back to Eva, I know Eva, and I know also yeah. Gera. Um, they're they're great. I'm just having you know. Uh, uh, quarterly calls with Geralt just to catch up of what's oh, going nice. on. Yeah, what's going on with uh, Eastern Europe and Romania. And they're yeah. really great. And yeah, I agree. They have lots of connections. And uh, just to, you know, what I wanted to say with it, it was that there are VCs sorry, looking into Eastern Europe. But somehow, yeah. you know, within these conversations like Tech Talk, I'm trying to, um, you know, get the perspective of my uh, guests on the podcast of mm-hmm. what's happening, right? And um, after I get certain type of data, right, I, I have a pattern that, you know, I have, the pos- I have the data to establish a pattern, then I can yeah. go and make an evidence-based statement that, look, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, have, <laughs> we have an issue, we have an issue, uh, we lack infrastructure, we, we lack, you know, policies, and then, you know, um, we can definitely start making a statement that we need this, you know, make a list of what things, you know, the government should take in, into yeah. consideration to fix. Um, yeah. Exactly. Um, Christina, I'm coming to my kind of, you know, last questions over here. And there was one thing in that caught my eye uh, while I was scrolling the LinkedIn newsfeed and I saw uh, a really interesting statement that you, you, you made um not statement, but you shared some a post. Yeah, it was, it was about uh, Hasinda Arden, right? The New Zealand yeah. Prime Minister, and uh, I clicked on it and you know have a look, <laughs> had a look on it, and I know that New Zealand is different and apart from, uh, you know, countries like America or you know, uh, uh, in the entire European Union of how they approach things, right? Um, I even know that they build or think seven generations in in front or something similar like that and that's mm-hmm. a different total different uh, mindset but i was interested to you know get from you as information what do you admire about her leadership so the, <laughs> i had this conversation i think three years ago with my direct manager and i basically asked him if i want to be successful personally do i have to start behaving like a guy and and actually i asked him and i also asked this coach who was helping us last year and he was like no you have to be authentic and that's what people feel and that's what i admire about her obviously i only see posts and i see her her media image but she just seems to be 
an authentic person and embracing her female qualities, which is caring and empathy and listening, which have historically not been associated with power or ambition. And uh, recently she got interviewed and she, asked, she got asked the question, what was your reaction when you heard that there are no more coronavirus cases in New Zealand? And her response was, I did a little dance. Like, would you ever think of, of, a, of a male wow. politician answering, I did a little dance? Then, yeah, maybe there are like the prime minister of Ireland. Okay, he's a funny guy. I'll yeah. give you that. But, and it's just, I do little dances when I'm happy about things. And it's not unprofessional. It's just me being me. And yeah, me being, being human. taking, yeah. And it's, it's I think this, this whole, again, Coming back right to the first question, reading this book, Invisible Women, it's just being a woman is different than being a man. And they both have voices and them together working on the world would just make the world a better place. And being successful and being ambitious is not a bad thing for a woman. And it's not characteristically a male trait. And she's just proving that, that she can achieve a lot by being female or feminine or womanly or sweet, whatever, you know, derogatory term you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, I, I believe that we are in a, in a society, right, globally, that is mainly built by um, masculine energy. And, you know, there's a lot of structure, there's a lot of resistance, and there's not a lot of uh, fluidity, which is very common as a trait to, you know, the female energy. And um, um, I think if both sides, um, women and men, would know exactly how, you know, each sides operate and work, what's the modus operandi of each, yeah. you know, um, each part, um, and start collaborating because these two parts are complementary; they're not opposites, right? So complementary yeah. uh, parts, I think, would we would be in a very much happier place as as, yeah, a, I agree. as a nation overall, definitely. Definitely agree. Um, Christina, um, you know, my question is as well connected to any line. Just to finish it on a. Um, let's say, future endeavors note, yeah. uh, what is next for AnyLine? And uh, at the same time, how can people get in touch with you or with AnyLine? So um, we have very, very big plans. And uh, we already teased a little bit online. So we're building an internal and external solution to bring machine learning to everyone. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to say more about that. Okay. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> That's a very it's something that it, good. It's, it's really great. And I'm really proud to be part of that. And we teased it a little bit on our website and so on. So you can go and check that out. And you can get in touch with us everywhere. We're on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can write to us at hello at anyline.com. So it's, mm -hmm. we're always open to share experiences, share, um, yeah, just exchange visions and then have a chat or a beer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hopefully a beer in the next. Yes. Couple of years. <laughs> we definitely um, we definitely need that. Okay, uh, well, that's yeah. a very good teaser. I, can, yeah. I have to admit that. 
Um, so we're looking forward to the NLN news. And um, yeah. yeah, everybody who's listening to the podcast, uh, feel free to reach out to Christina on LinkedIn or you know to any lines, any kind of um, you know customer contact. Um, and feel free to reach out if you want to get in touch. Um, this is not a sponsored episode, just to make sure. This is just uh, us bridging uh, communication and different parts of uh, Europe together. Yes. Christina, thank you very much for taking the time and again giving me uh, an opportunity uh, to have a insightful conversation with you. Um, yeah. It was great. Thank you so much. It's always nice to talk to you again. So nice to i'll come hopefully in july in cluj and then we can have a beer <laughs> yeah that would be great yeah. please yeah please do uh Sounds good have a great day and uh yeah talk to you soon and see you soon yeah thanks bye 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 thank you for listening remember to subscribe share and review our podcast because the voice of our community keeps us going forward Find more episodes and discover different perspectives about tech and business and in our daily life. Thank you.